1: Right. Welcome to episode 394. Uh, hello, my friend. Welcome to a fresh new episode of New Mindset Who Dis. As always, thank you so much for listening and thank you for supporting me. And today, I want to take a stab at addressing something I see a lot. Certainly, it's something I've experienced myself before, but it's also a common theme I see across the board today. Uh, it's a DM I get quite frequently. So I thought I'd give my simple, simple, simple take on it. That's a simple mindset that we can all adopt when it comes to this topic. And the topic is, why do we hang on to the almosts in life so much? Why do we struggle to move on from the almosts in our life? Why do we second guess our ability to move on in the face of an almost in our life? That's an almost, right? It's an almost version of what you wanted, what you deserved. And it's a theme I see a lot. And it obviously makes sense, right? This isn't earth shattering. The the closer you are to the thing that you want, but then you don't get it, let's call it a relationship. The closer you are to having it, the tougher it is to move on when it becomes apparent that it won't be what you want. (laughs) It won't reach that final step. It makes sense logically, right? When you're so close to that thing and then it ends in some way It's very difficult to move on than, say, if a relationship ended quickly and abruptly early on. That's pretty obvious, right? So it's tough to move on in the face of an almost. We can agree on that. And certainly I'm talking about relationships mostly here, but I suppose it's really anything in life. It could be a romantic relationship, a friendship, a job, the relationship with your work, you name it. We find it incredibly difficult to move on from instances where we were so close, where it was an almost, almost what you wanted, almost the perfect outcome, almost the perfect person, almost the perfect compatibility. And I want to go a bit deeper than the obvious why here, which is that almost is so close to perfect and it's tough to move on from that. It's emotionally draining. You had your hopes up so high because you were close. You worked so hard to almost get there. You thought you finally had it. That's tough. That's draining. But let's get a bit deeper deeper here, and I think simpler here, because I want to throw out one simple reason that speaks to a deeper human why. Why we truly get hung up so much so on the almosts in our life. It's one thing, and I think if we can realize that, we can help ourselves move on. We can give ourselves that metaphorical kick in the butt uh, that we need so that we can move on. So real quick, before I do that, before I get my thoughts on this topic, I do want to say thank you to today's sponsor, BetterHelp. I've been partnering with BetterHelp for the past couple of months, and I'm really glad I have because with them, you get immediate, almost immediate access to the most helpful resource. In life, I think, which is therapy. When you need therapy, when you need to talk to someone, someone who is highly qualified, has experience in the field, that is enormously helpful in life. Someone who can be there for you when you need just to talk to someone, who can challenge you, who can help you lower your emotional walls and understand, help you understand what is bothering you. That is the power of therapy. And I'd really encourage you to check out BetterHelp if you've been on the fence about trying therapy for the first time, or if you want to try a new therapist or a new form of therapy. I'm partnering with BetterHelp for a reason because I really believe in their mission and in their platform and in their ability to truly help you. BetterHelp is an online platform where you're matched with a therapist within 48 hours, and then you can engage with them via weekly calls and video and chat. And there's no hanging out in a waiting room, filling out forms or feeling awkward. It's cheaper than traditional therapy. And of course, I think the biggest thing is you get almost immediate access to your therapist. That's a therapist who you are matched with based on what you need, which is huge. And it could be as simple as you just want someone to talk to. That's how my therapist and I interact. Or it can be in response to something specific in your life, a relationship issue, a family issue, some kind of trauma Whatever it may be, BetterHelp has specifically designed their platform, and they have therapists that could help with your need, or they can help you identify what you need. So you can visit betterhelp.com forward slash new mindset to get started, and because you're amazing, you're a listener of the podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy. BetterHelp, dot com forward slash new mindset, and you will get 10% off. So thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode, and I can't wait to hear from you how therapy is helping you in your life. But let's talk about this topic here at hand, moving on from an almost, moving on from an almost. I think the simple reality of moving on from an almost is very specific, and we don't give this enough attention. We hold on to something specific about that almost thing, and it's this thing that causes us to get hung up on it. Because here's how I've experienced almosts in life, and what I've learned from chatting with so many of you is that an almost, an almost relationship, it starts out so great. Of course it does. It was great in the beginning. That is what made it amazing. The connection, the compatibility, the the reliability, the honesty, it's great. They were amazing. They were real. They were the opposite of everyone you've dated before, everything you've experienced before. They were honest, they were upfront, they communicated clearly, they were what you wanted. It was great in the beginning. But then, because it became an almost relationship, because the way it was in the beginning, the way they acted in the beginning, somehow, through some turn of events, it ended. But there you are, you're hung up on the beginning specifically. In your mind, that is what you're hanging on to, the way they acted in the beginning. Not who they became, not the real them. Not the real you and them, the way that they acted in the beginning, the way that it was with the two of you in the beginning. The way that it was in the beginning is what is making you hung up on the relationship. And I'll add a point here uh, in a bit because it's not just about romantic relationships, of course, but I think this distinction is really important to highlight because it empowers us to create a contrast in our heads. That's a contrast between how they acted in the beginning the perfect behavior the perfect way you felt and how they ended up acting later the real them the real you and them we need to learn to create a contrast in our heads between how it was in the beginning and how it really was long term how they really were long term the contrast between how they acted in the beginning and the real them. And I know that that sounds quite accusatory, right? Like it's all on them. They were the one at fault. They were some like two-faced person. And of course, not every relationship ends because of them. It could be you, right? Let's get real. It could be you, could be me. But here on this episode, I'm talking about, and the, and the type of relationship that I see the most is where their behavior ended. Their behavior changed, their intentions changed, their plan changed. And in those instances, which are so frequent, it makes sense that we get hung up on that kind of almost relationship because it was a change. It was their change. So I think we need to come back to the real catalyst, a deeper catalyst for being hung up on that almost. We are clinging in our minds with our memories, we're clinging to how they acted in the beginning. The beginning when they were on their best behavior, where you felt great with them because they did all the right things, maybe because they knew you wanted it, or maybe because that was genuinely them. But then, after that, through some course of action, maybe they changed their mind, maybe they got what they wanted, whatever it may be, that behavior changed. And ultimately, the relationship ended. And in your mind, it was an almost relationship. It was an almost relationship because you had what you wanted in the beginning. It was there. It was perfect. But then it ended. And hence, almost. It was close. It was almost. And this isn't just romantic. This could be a perfect job that turned sour after a couple months of of perfect. It could be friendships. Of course, it could be anything. But regardless of the context of the almost, we're very apt to get hung up on the beginning behavior, the beginning chapter. But let's get real. If someone's best behavior Is only confined to a certain period of time. And then it changed who they are, changed the true essence of them, and your relationship became clear. That relationship has to be defined by the latter. It's not defined by the outlier, the perfect behavior, chapter one. It's defined by the consistent true behavior, chapter two, three, four, five, six, until it ended. It has to be. And I say it on the podcast quite frequently, but (laughs) anyone can act a certain perfect way for a short period of time. Anyone can do that. Anyone can say the right things, be the right way for a short period of time. But that if that's not the true them, we have to realize that. Them, they, right? <laughs> Who they are is how they act long-term. The consistency of behavior that follows the perfect behavior window. The perfect behavior window, that's what we're calling it. When it comes to an almost relationship, We tend to define the entirety of the relationship by that perfect behavior window. Think about that. When it comes to an almost relationship, we tend to define the entirety of the relationship by the perfect behavior window. We tend to define the entirety of it by chapter one. But the reality is chapter one is not the relationship. The relationship is defined by the real behavior, the real intention, the consistency and of course the outcome. So I think we just need to do this thing where we create a contrast in our heads that helps us snap out of it. To realize that the perfect behavior was great, but if it wasn't the real them, if it wasn't consistent, then you deserve better. We need to create that contrast. That's a contrast from someone being open and honest to them hiding and being dishonest. That's a contrast from communicating clearly to being vague and not communicating clearly That's a contrast from them saying they want a future with you to them avoiding the topic completely we define we tend to define a relationship by the perfect behavior the perfect chapter one but we need to look at who they really are we need to look at how you and them really were together not just that beginning period and i know that sounds like a bit of a downer right but i think realizing this is is redeeming the contrast is redeeming because it gives you back your power So wanted to do this episode for you if you're hung up on an almost in your life, if you're second-guessing, moving on, if you're struggling to move on. Remember that, frankly, what you deserve is consistency. In the same way that someone would hopefully expect consistency from you, you should expect consistency from them. You deserve someone who, sure, of course, is on their best, best, best behavior early on, But that doesn't end once things get comfortable or once they get what they want. You deserve consistency. You deserve consistency. So open your eyes to the fact that maybe you're hung up on how they acted in the beginning because that's what you want to see. And instead, create that contrast I'm referencing here in your head, how they acted in the beginning versus how they came to act, how it was in the beginning versus how it became, and don't talk yourself out of what you deserve, because that's really what we're talking about here, right? You're hanging on to an almost in your life because you're hanging on to a sliver of what you deserve, which is how they acted in the beginning and only the beginning. You're hanging on to that 10% when you really deserve that 100%. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Hero Bread and something I'm into lately is anything to match your bread cravings. So don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code newmindset at checkout. That's newmindset at h-e-r-o dot c-o. Hey, real quick, this episode is sponsored by Quince. And I'm a pretty simple guy, a man of simple pleasures, but I do occasionally like to dress up quince.com slash new mindset. And you deserve the 100% because you are willing to give 100%. Reciprocity, consistency. So really what we're talking about here is that we do this thing in the face of almost, in the aftermath of an almost, where we renegotiate our worth with ourselves. We look ourselves in the mirror and we're negotiating. We hang on to that 10% sliver And we're like, if only I can have that back, because that is the relationship. We do that, even though we know that's not real. That wasn't the essence of the relationship. So really, in effect, what we're doing is we're talking ourselves out of what we deserve. So how do we stop doing that? What if we don't know what we deserve, for instance? What if we don't have a great example of what we deserve? Well, I have some thoughts on this, of course, but I figured I'd bring in my friend, Heisu Joe. Uh, she joined us a couple episodes ago. I got a ton of great feedback from that episode She is a certified therapist from BetterHelp, and she's going to help us dive into this a bit more She certainly has more experience and breadth of observation with her therapy practice than I do And I know she has some perspective here to help. So hi. Hey sue. Welcome back.
0: Hi case. Thanks so much for having me back
1: Of course. I appreciate your perspective. So let's talk about this. I would love your perspective here specifically. Why don't we back up a little bit um, when it comes to this idea of talking ourselves out of what we deserve? Let's say, for instance, you don't really know what you deserve. I think that is a common human experience, especially if you've been, unfortunately, through experiences that clearly are not what you deserve you might not really have a good grasp of that. And then it's like, no wonder you find yourselves in cycles or repeated scenarios where, you know, your standards aren't being met because you don't really know what they are. You don't really know what it is that you deserve on a fundamental level. So that's a big question, of course. But I'm curious from your perspective in your practice, if we don't have a a great understanding of what we deserve, what do you recommend? How do we figure that out for ourselves?
0: These are great questions. I'm going to actually offer a reframe which is just like something therapists say to try to explain something in a different way have a different perspective about it so what does it what does it even mean to deserve something I think of this as like you know a student takes a test they get all of the answers right they deserve an a on that test so it's very transactional when you think about what is deserved it comes from having done something to deserve this thing so deserving good treatment from other people does that mean that treatment from other people, how we treat other people. Is this also transactional? That I'm not so sure about. So rather than thinking of ourselves as being deserving of some kind of treatment from other people or the universe, I think it's actually more important to tune into your individual needs, the needs that you have to feel balanced, to feel fulfilled, to feel satisfied, and whether your needs are being met. So if you're thinking like, I don't even know how to identify my needs. You are not alone. It could be because you've lived a life, maybe even in early childhood, where your fundamental foundational needs were not being met. So generally, when you tune into what it is that you need to function, a lot of times, you know, you can think of your basic necessities, food, shelter, water. But myself, for example... I also need to feel respect with other people. I need communication. I need to feel safe. I need to feel reassurance. So these are some of the things that we need rather than things, or rather than thinking about it as something that we deserve. So you know, think about and tune in you know, to your needs, and, and starting there can help you start, you know, figuring out how to fulfill and meet these needs.
1: Yeah, oh I really like that. Thanks for that reframe. Yeah, that is interesting to think about that this idea of deserving it does it does seem kind of transactional in the way that we we context that in real life but getting down to needs I feel like really kind of cuts down to the core of yourself outside of that, you know, action for action kind of consequential type of behavior. So I, I love that a lot. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think we we touched briefly on this maybe last time. So this is good to build on this. Okay. So now we're getting into it, understanding of what someone might need. How how do we avoid um kind of negotiating that with ourselves, because I think it's easy to, to maybe finally get a, a moment of truth and be like, oh man, I need this. But then we start to go to that direction where we're like, well, that's just because I'm needy. And I should, I, sh- I shouldn't need that. I'm picky. I shouldn't need that. So how do we avoid getting to that point? Where we're so close to like affirming what we need, but then we do that human thing where we renegotiate it. How do we avoid talking ourselves out of that need?
0: That's a tough one, and I wish the answer were very simple. But I think it's um, it can become a long term self project of self improvement. Um, I do hear quite often folks saying or reporting things like, "I don't feel like I deserve to have my needs met." Um, So that is like a common experience and feeling that people have, and that probably stems from many things for different people. But it is often related to low self esteem. It's also related to feeling like um, you're harboring a lot of shame. So shame is this feeling that we experience when we feel like bad stuff happened to us because we are bad people. I did this bad thing because I'm a bad person. So shame is the emotional outcome that accompanies something to make us feel like we're the bad person. So someone that's walking around with low self-esteem, feeling very ashamed about who they are, they're often going to feel like they don't deserve to have their needs met. So in order to even get to the place where you can identify your needs and feel like those are things that should be met in some way, I think it's important to really work on self and get to a place where you can love yourself, respect yourself, because that's when you can start paying attention to what those needs are intending to them.
1: Ooh, I I like that a lot. I talk a lot about how as humans, we love to label ourselves. And when it comes to the shame label, the guilt label, we do that a lot. Where we say, "Well, I I am this. I've done this, therefore I don't deserve that," and so on and so forth. It's that's something I, I talk a lot about, and maybe we should we should do a separate episode on shame because I think that is such a powerful thing to free yourself from. To your point, where it kind of have a has a cascading effect. L- let me ask you this on on the specific topic here of of almost relationships and relationships and negotiating your needs in a relationship and what you need. Say, l- I feel like it's also, unfortunately, maybe a somewhat universal experience. I feel like a lot of people don't have great examples of what a relationship should look like. Um, Or maybe they have confusing or conflicting ideas of what a healthy relationship looks like. Maybe they didn't have the best example from their parents. Maybe they're, you know, they watch a lot of reality TV or they're taking their inferences from social media. It could be quite confusing. And when you don't have a, a firm understanding or expectation of what you know, for instance, reciprocity looks like in a relationship, or consistency looks like in a relationship, then we start to grasp onto that ten percent that does look good, whereas the ninety percent is clearly beneath us. So, do you have any recommendations um, for that? For finding examples of healthy relationships, is that more just? if you don't know, come back to your needs? Or is it good to seek out inspiration when it comes to what a healthy relationship looks like? Or is it a mix of that? Or is it more just like an intuitive type thing to set that standard for yourself? Do you have any thoughts on, on that?
0: Um, I, I do think it's a combination of a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Of course, working on yourself, um, getting to a place of being able to validate and empower yourself is also, also always a good thing. Um but it's it's a lot of us walking around in this world that don't have good examples of healthy relationships unfortunately. And um my my recommendation and answer is going to be biased, right? I'm a therapist. I'm going to recommend that you maybe seek out therapy because Um, There are actually therapists and approaches that focus very much on um, healing relationship, using the relationship between the therapist and the client to model something that is healthy and to use that as a healing mechanism for all kinds of things that have been going on in someone's life. So um, in these kinds of um, approaches to therapy, the therapist is going to be very mindful and tuning into the way that you are interacting in the relationship that's forming between you and your therapist, and they'll be able to, you know, point things out to you, have you practice certain ways of communicating or putting down boundaries mm-hmm. um, in a safe and in controlled environment. Um, so that would be my big tip is to consider talking to someone professionally because they may be able to help guide you in certain directions in terms of just like education around what is a healthy relationship and how you can start to spot things that might not be good for you.
1: I love that. Thank you so much, Hesu. That is the uh, the value of, of therapy, certainly. So thank you, Heysu, for joining me and giving your thoughts on this topic. And really what I take from all this, this whole episode here is the value, the benefit of drawing a line in the sand and saying, this is a need. It's not a nice-to-have. It's not the cherry on top. It is a need. It is your need. And I don't know you, my, my great, amazing listener, but at the top of your needs list, I think you should put consistency. Consistency. And when you do, I hope you'll see what I see when it comes to the almosts in your life. Namely, that you need more than 10%. Anyone can give you that 10%. Look beyond that, look to consistency. And when you do, I hope you'll create a contrast in your mind that reminds you that the only way to go out and find that consistency is to move on from that almost relationship. So that's it. I'll end it right there. If this was helpful, I'd be so grateful if you'd share the podcast with a friend. And also, again, a huge thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And thank you to Hesu for hopping in and showing you the value of chatting with a professional licensed therapist. If you're interested in trying therapy, you could check out betterhelp.com forward slash new mindset, and you'll get 10% off your first month of therapy, betterhelp.com forward slash new mindset. But that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting me. And until next episode, I'm out. BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash new mindset today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash new mindset.